0: Thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Thread. Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley, and I'm back for episode 39 of Thread. This episode finds me in Karawachi, which is a subdivision within uh, Jakarta. Indonesia. I'm here with some brothers from United Christian Broadcasters, and we meet twice a year to uh, come together as men and pray and seek the Lord about how He could use us to establish uh, word ministry through radio, television, any other form of media, so that the gospel can get out, especially in places like most of Asia, where the gospel has hardly reached. And so it's exciting to see because the Word of God does have power. And that's what this thread is about. This one is about anointed speech, the uh, the knowledge that when you open your mouth and speak on behalf of God, whether it's at uh, a formal occasion, whether it's in church or a national address, or whether it's with somebody over a cup of coffee, or just someone that you meet randomly on the road, that if you open your mouth under the unction of the Holy Spirit, the words that you're about to speak... Have life giving power. There's a prophetic energy in the words of God, and when they come out of our mouths, we can have absolute confidence that God is going to accomplish something in the life of the person that we're speaking to. We need to have confidence in that. We need to act on it and open our mouth and speak boldly for the Lord because, you know, God knows this age needs voices. Those who've grabbed the center stage are leading everybody in totally wrong directions, themselves pretty miserable when you get them off stage, not knowing often what they're even doing with their own life, yet confidently leading others down the same path. God's people have to speak up. We have to learn uh, to trust and have confidence in the Word of God, not just the Word of God in the Bible, but the Word of God that flows out of us and through our lips. So I think this week's thread is a really important one and I hope you'll, you'll focus on it and really pay attention. So if you don't have your Bible, run get one, and come right back for a verse-by-verse study with Thread. All right, just to set the stage again, Jesus has started on His long march to the cross. He's moved uh, from the north of the country on a long foot journey down to Jerusalem, a crowd has gathered behind him, and the confrontation grows larger every day because the institution keepers in Israel have come out, and he engages them in battle every day. There's a public debate, and he confronts them for what they have done to the worship of God, how they have perverted it and twisted it. It has fallen it's not bearing fruit, uh, and yet they keep it going because it protects their livelihood, and they're in love with their own traditions. And so just every day is another day of battle, and he has approached Jerusalem. on. At the end of that journey, he enters Jerusalem, and that was the beginning of chapter 11, and the people pull their uh, coats off and lay them on the ground and... Uh, break down branches and lay them on the ground, wave them in the air, and this is, and they're welcoming him as the king, the Messiah. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And on that first night, Jesus went into the temple, and he looked around to see the state of things there. And then after observing it, he went away and went back out, and he slept in the home of Lazarus, Lazarus Mary, and Martha. Uh, Now, the next day, verse 12, Jesus gets up. He is on His way to the temple again, and today is going to be uh, a day of increasing the pressure. He is bringing this issue to a head. He will not allow the uh, powers that be within the religion just to ignore Him. He is going to force a confrontation, and today is the day that he gets up with that in his mind, spends his time with God, and as he's moving with his disciples now back into the city because he doesn't sleep in the city of Jerusalem very wisely, he withdraws away from their power base into like a small village, and that's where he's been sleeping. So he goes in the morning, verse 13, he sees from afar a fig tree that has leaves out, and he goes to see if perhaps there would be fruit there. Now, this, it's a little bit early for there to be fruit, but this tree is giving all the indications that it is a living, fruit-bearing tree. It's got the leaves out. It's, you know, it's in its fruit-bearing glory. It's making a statement to all who pass by that there's fruit for you here. But when he goes to it, he finds no fruit, and it, it, a frustration comes out of him. And verse 14, he just speaks it out with his mouth, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. The Bible says the disciples heard him say this. Now, he's really not talking about this tree. He's not talking about figs. He's talking about the whole religious system of his day, where old systems are halting the move of God, where culture uh, is uh, has become fossilized and there is no more progress, but it's allowed to take up shape, and where institution keepers have gotten their hands on the worship of God and have turned it into such a business for themselves, and you have all these sincere people from around the world, and they are they approach God's temple. There's just one of them on the whole earth, and they approach the temple to find themselves a place to connect with God. They're seeking peace with God. They're seeking peace a relationship with God, and this is the place where they come to find that relationship. And Jesus is going today to deal with that, and on his way there, this fig tree just happens along his path, and the frustration he feels about Judaism in his day pours out onto this tree, which is a part of, it's like a symbol, a metaphor of what has happened in in Jerusalem proper. He goes to um he goes into the city of Jerusalem, and verse 15 says, Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Let's stop on that one. Um, this is in fulfillment of a prophecy that's in Malachi three three, and Malachi's prophecy, it's the last book in the old testament, says that suddenly Messiah will come to his temple and he will purify the sons of Levi. He will purify those who are in charge of temple worship. And that's what's happening here. This is not the first time he's done this, by the way. This was how he introduced himself to the nation of Israel. It was the first thing he did when he went to Jerusalem three and a half, four years ago. He came into the temple. He does the same kinds of things there. He stands and gives a teaching and then he leaves, and that's like, Hello, I'm Jesus, and this is what I stand for. Well, he's come every year back to, this, uh, to the festival times, and uh, I guess they hadn't set up their businesses again. Well, this year, everything is back in full swing, and he observed it on day one. On day two, he deals with it. Um, you know, power, the, the, there is spiritual power operating in the world. There's God's power, and there's the devil's power. And fallen power and fallen money will invade everything it can get near. So, you know, in the end, it's all about money. Religion is a business all over the world. If you're a Hindu, a Buddhist, a Muslim, or a Christian, religion is a business. There's money to be made in the service of religion. And these priests have made a personal business out of people's sacrifices to God, because it was a sacrificial system, and under the old agrarian way, you would raise certain livestock to offer to the Lord, and you know every day you're feeding them because they're going to be your offering to God. It's from your hands, it's the work of your hands, and it's from your heart, and you're going to take that to God. Only when you get to the temple, one, it's a long way off, and you make the journey, you bring your animal there, and then it has to be inspected by these uh, Levites, and they're going to find something wrong with it if they can. And it would have been better for you if you had just bought a certified animal from them, pre-certified, so that you would know you'd you'd not have any hassles like this. So they turned into the uh, kosher meat business, and so they've got their animals already selected, they've inspected them, and there's no, no blemish on these animals. You can buy it from them. And then they decided, too, that you couldn't actually pay your tithes in the normal Roman money because, well, you know, it's touched sinners' hands. There needs to be private temple money. So they meant this currency that you can only use in the temple. So you've got to exchange your money, and of course there's no competition, so it's whatever rate they set on it, and they're changing your money to be temple money. Now you can go pay your tithes to the lord and it's just this you know this money thing has rose up, has risen up and jesus is just fed up with it he's not going to negotiate with them he's not going to compromise about it he's not going to live and let live he just grabs their tables and flips it up and if you can imagine oh uh, this is one of the clearest visuals you know in the gospels if you can just imagine all these money changers and their money has hit the te- hit the ground at the same time and is is getting mingled and they're on the ground trying to grab their you know, what is theirs? Uh, he's letting the doves go. He's you know, this is whole thing. But what they've done is they've taken the area, the only area in the temple that was set aside for a gentile, non-Jew, outsider, to come and seek God's face, the court of the Gentiles, where we could freely come from all the nations of the earth and there seek the one true God. They've taken that area, and that's the area that they've set up uh, livestock stalls and money changers. Basically, there's no place in the temple where we are welcome. There's no place for an outsider to come and seek the Lord, and that's at the heart of what is frustrating him here. He says, he cries out in the temple area, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. Isn't that what is written? but you have made it a den of thieves. And this is Jesus' style of teaching. First, he will do something. It's public. He'll do something. He'll heal, or in this case, he he, uh, disciplines, and then he stops and he has a teachable moment. So then he will teach based on what he just did in front of them. And he opens his mouth, and these powerful anointed words echo from him. And the scribes and the priests heard it, verse 18, and sought how they might destroy him, verse 18. The word destroy in the Greek just means like to utterly obliviate. You know, they were not, they didn't want to to engage him. They didn't want to hear his point of view. They wanted to destroy him because, the scripture says, they feared him. And secondly, because all the people, were astonished at his teaching. Now, why were these people astonished at his teaching? They were astonished because he had impact. His words were not normal words. They had a power from God. They brought with them some kind of energy. It was those words that made him... He could turn to a woman with a fever, and he didn't pray about the fever. He spoke to the fever, and he told the fever to leave her, and it did. He spoke to the storm, and it stopped. He used his speech ability with such power, and he believed in it. He believed there was an anointing behind it. And if he opened his mouth just the way that God opened his mouth and said, let there be light, and created the world, he believed that that same power was his power and he was going to use it in service of the kingdom of God. So he taught, not like the priest taught. He wasn't trying to be clever. He wasn't trying to be funny. He wasn't quoting popular common, uh, you know common uh, celebrities. He was speaking as a man of God, and when he stood, that's how he stood there. His words were anointed to accomplish the purpose, just like in Isaiah where Isaiah says, you know, thus says, Lord, the words that go out of my mouth, they will not return to me void, but they will accomplish the things that I send them to do. That's God's word. And I know in my life, so many times, God's word has had power over me. You know, it has corrected me. It has enlightened me. So many times it has encouraged me and uh, given me revelation, and oh, I love the Word of God. And I love not, not just the preached Word, although that one, you know, there's nothing like it, but the Word of God that comes from somebody else's lips, where they look you in the eye and they speak to you and they say, don't give up, this isn't going to last forever. And that, you know, it's, it's more than just a nice thought from somebody. It's, it's a, a message from God. And it goes into your heart, and you know, it hits, and you feel it. It's anointed speech, and you have it. If you're a man of God or a woman of God, and you're the leader that God has chosen, whether you're a leader, you a know, leader just means you influence the other one. If that's the role that you play in this life, God has given you a power to open your mouth and speak for Him. He wants to use you. He wants to use me, that wherever we're wandering in our day, He wants us to use our power of speech with anointing. Now, Jesus returns from his day's confrontation. It's getting dark, and he withdraws. And he goes back out, verse 20, and when they get up the next morning and they go again to enter Jerusalem, they pass by this same tree, and they find that the tree is now dried up from the roots. That's where death starts, in the root. And Peter is amazed at this. He says, Lord, look, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed, you just use words on it, and it has withered away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Have absolute confidence in God. What's he talking about? For your own ability to speak, and something will happen because of your words. Have absolute confidence. Confidence in God, and he gives an uh, an illustration. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, "Be removed and cast in the sea," and does not doubt in his heart, but he believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. This is such a huge teaching. I mean, there's a whole branch of Of word of faith teaching just about this one verse that when we open our mouth and we speak out words that those words are by God's own authority given a power to create or in the case of the tree to destroy there's anointing behind your words and the more you believe it and the more you think carefully before you open your mouth so that you're not making a nonsense, and then gossip, and then coarse, you know, dirty joking, and suggestive speech, and then you want to speak for God, and you know, we're talking about purifying your mouth, and and being careful not to talk negative, don't dump out just uh, all kinds of, oh, it's probably not going to work out, you know, keep yourself from saying those things, you know, we aren't God, and we're not going to totally be able to control our world down here, no matter what we try to do, God is God, and this is a decaying planet, and we are going to get hurt. You're going to not always have money, you're not always going to be healthy, and that's not promised to you anywhere in Scripture, that you're going to get to live by some kind of magic power that you possess and get your way every time. This isn't what we're discussing today. But what we do know from Scripture is we are anointed to speak. And if you look at a child of yours and you tell them you're stupid and you do it over and over again in different ways, you watch their their whole mentality go down. But you turn to that same child and you tell them what you see in them that is great. You tell them their future is bright. You tell them God has a plan for them. You tell them every good thing you can see in them, you speak it out. And you even speak the things you wish they were. Uh, But speak them as though they are, and just speak to them. Speak that on your wife, speak that on your husband, speak it at work, let everybody you know, start coming around you like you're a water fountain that, in a thirsty land. They come to you because your words have such amazing sweetness and positivity that they can get from you. So Jesus says, use your word power. Have confidence in God and have confidence in prayer, that prayer is not just something like, oh, well, I guess we could just pray. Prayer happens. Things will be done because of what you pray if you don't doubt it. Talk to God, believe that your words have authority and that God allows you to open your mouth and speak and things will come out and those things will live. Then, uh, uh, you know, as he's thinking about his disciples having to do this without him, because in less than a week he's going to be dead and and resurrected, and so he's thinking about the future and them using their words, and he says, oh yeah, there's one more thing, verse 25 and 6. If when you're standing praying about to release, you know, believe in God to give you what you're about to pray for, but if you remember that you've got something relational, broken with anybody else, forgive it. You need to forgive it so your Father will forgive you your sins because if you won't forgive others, your Father won't forgive you. Like that's going to block, you know, what's blocking my prayers? I'm asking and asking and nothing's happening. Forgiveness. Look for that one. Go down through your mind. Sit there quietly and say, Lord, help me. If there's any person that I've got a negative feeling about or I always find myself saying some sarcastic thing about, help me find that person in my heart. Totally forgive and release them. I want to be clean before you because I want my word to have power. I want to bless the world with words every day. If you'll give me the ability to open my mouth and give me people to talk to today, God help me. I will speak for you, and I will release things that your kingdom wants to have done, and I will be a messenger of yours. And I want to be that. I want that for my children. I've got six kids, and I want to speak into their lives such powerful things, like a prophet's anointing as I speak over them. I want my wife to feel so blessed and that the words I say don't cut her down and make her feel small and weak and you know a problem to me, but that my words build her up and make her feel strong and capable. I want that. I want everybody who's around me to feel that, and it can be that way. I've got a power of will, and I can live this way, and so can you, my friend. So My prayer for you is that this week is going to be your week where you focus mental energy on controlling your own speech and on using it to speak life into the lives of other people. Well, that's enough for now. If you'd like to connect with me, uh, Chuck at Quinley.com, you can just email me directly, and I would love to talk to you. God bless. We'll see you next time on Thread. Thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Thread.